Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 102 of the North Meet South Web podcast. Chicka chicka Janet. All right, come on, E. Now, Scarlet Solo USB. There we oh, go. That's the right Is microphone. That, that sounds there much better. There we go. That's how it's supposed to be right there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, my uh, QuickTime is recording the right microphone. <sighs> Fingers crossed. I'm pretty better sure check. it is. I always check. I better always check. check. Better stop and restart now. Yeah. Wouldn't want cross the Should AirPod I? recording. Yeah, do I'm it. pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's the right one. I'm quite sure it is. We're gonna go. If for we it. if we get to the end and I get the the audio to to edit mm-hmm. and it's not the correct mm-hmm. microphone, I'm just gonna have my side mm-hmm. of the conversation. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm quite sure it's the correct mic though. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, man. So hey, how's the uh, how's the week going? Week is week is going all right. It's um starting to get that that glimmer of spring hope down here Mm. so we've had it's been sunny all week it was supposed to rain last not this this friday gone but the week before it was supposed to rain from like friday to wednesday and i think we had about seven minutes total of rain in that five-day period uh so our Bureau of Meteorology has no idea what's going on. It was blue skies the the whole time. We had cloud every now and then, but there was no rain. We had maybe hail for 30 seconds, but the sun was out. I don't know where the hail came from. It was just hail, but there was no clouds, which was very odd. Um, so, yeah, it's it's getting to that time of year. We're going to gonna have some warm weather towards the end of this week nice. and then and then it's supposed to rain for the week after. So who knows what will actually transpire there. Footy finals started this weekend. My team finished second in the regular season, so they had a, now, what a was home it now? final. Hoodie? Oh, you say hoodie finals? Footy. Footy. Footy finals. Okay, if they said footy, footy I was like, what? No, footy. no, no. Okay. Footy finals. So footy. footy. We, we finished the season second on the ladder, so that meant nice. we qualified for two home finals. And uh, okay. with, with so coronavirus. Oh, I went. Yeah, yeah, on Friday night, I went. Uh, nice. And we, we won our game quite convincingly, which was good. So That's awesome. um, I try not to get our hopes up with our team because we, we seem to play when it doesn't matter as much. And then when the chips are down, we kind of historically, especially for the last few years, it's kind of fallen apart when it's mattered no, most. I'm, so I'm, I'm interested for the people who are listening to this, like myself, who don't know exactly what footy is. Now, I've seen videos. I went online and I mm-hmm. watched videos of footy being played and Australian rules football is what yeah. you guys it's footy for short just like everything is for short in Correct. Australia you, you have a short name for everything mm-hmm. um but footy so it's sort of like I'm trying to remember how the sort of like what the rules are so it's sort, it's like, it like your rugby-ish? American it's like your American football but for men so we don't we don't actually wear any padding or anything like oh that gosh. we're we're grown up but men. for men it's a different kind of game um so there's two two teams of 18 on the field. Um, okay. You have to kick goals to win. So there's no touchdowns or throwing. You can't throw the ball. Um, okay. You can you can hand pass. So you can. All right. You, so you can hand off the ball. Correct. So you can you can you know hold the ball in your hand. So it's not not like soccer where you can't touch the ball. We've got a. It's like an oval shaped football, kind of like the the American football. Uh, slightly less pointy. It's more rounded at the at the ends than than what yours like is. Like a rugby ball, almost. Yeah, I think so. It's probably a bit a bit smaller, maybe than a rugby ball. But um, okay, yeah, it's certainly a, an entertaining game to watch. 
And so um, now, like, walk me through, like, when you when the game starts, do they mm-hmm. kick off? Like, what what does that happen? Yep. How does so it start? at at the start of the game, and and after every major score, so after every goal is kicked, and sure. at the start of each of the four quarters, they have a bounce in the middle. So the umpire will you, you've got basically a six 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 formation. So there's like six okay. six players from each team in the forward fifty meter arc. There's six players from each team in the middle of the ground. And there's six players at the forward end of the ground for each team. And so there's a bounce from the umpire. They will like literally bounce the ball on the ground up into the air. The two ruckmen will come and bash into each other and tap the ball, try and get it to their own team, obviously. And then you go forward to score. Um so and now you can run with the ball. You can you run, can with, run the with the ball. You can, you can pass run the ball off meters. by hand. You can run fifteen can run meters with the ball. You okay. can run fifteen meters with the ball and then you must bounce it. You don't bounce it, then it's basically a travel. Um, so you, oh, okay. and then so it's you a penalty. How the heck do you bounce a ball that's that shape with great skill? Um, and doing it at pace and things like you can, you can like tap it on the ground. You don't have to bounce it, but you know, bouncing is generally how you do it. Unless it's wet. If it's wet, you kind of tend to um, just put it, you know, place it on the ground because it could okay. go anywhere when it's wet. Um, and then the and whole time, everybody's just trying to destroy you right yes. so you're, you're yep. trying to and then yeah, you so just you, want to get close enough to the goal where you can kick a like field goal style mm-hmm. goal right that's correct. it's up yep. in the air it's not on the yep. ground it's not like a soccer goal it's like upright it's like you have correct so you football correct so you in american football you'd place the ball on the ground and then you'd kick it off the ground while everyone's standing around sure. and watching whereas yep. in aussie rules football you would try and kick it while you've got two three four guys all trying to dive on you at the same time um and tackle you to the ground dispossess you of the ball um and so your teammates can block and everything mm-hmm. like you can, yep. they, they can block for you and, yep. and try and, okay. Yep. But it's, and then there's know, like some weird like kickoff thing, isn't there too? Where like, then do they throw them up in the air or something to get the ball or no? Yeah, if, there's a, thing? if there's a stoppage in play, then that they will have like a ball up in the middle of the ground where similar to the center bounce, the umpire will come and they'll throw the ball in the air and then it's basically a reset in play. So that happens anytime that there's a, a tackle, you know, if someone tackles you, legally and you have not had opportunity to get rid of the ball for example so if someone tackles you if you if you, you were didn't to take the ball you can pass it off and correct you, you you're tackled to the ground correct. while you still are possessing the ball okay so correct then, yeah then so whenever there's a stoppage okay. they'll do that if the ball goes out of bounds then the umpire will throw it in so there's i think four boundary umpires and three field umpires in in footy um so one of the the boundary umpires will throw the ball in and then and then restart there but um this is helpful. This is enough to get started, I think, watching mm-hmm. some footy for me. And you know, yeah. so, okay, very interesting. Thank you for the tutorial. The other <laughs> sport I'm interested in, and we watch, I got to watch some of this. I've gotten watched this, some of this a couple of times. Um, there's a flag football league that my son plays in, which he scored a touchdown today. Mm-hmm. Go Graham. Excellent. Go Graham. Um, yep. Way to go, buddy. And uh, there is a cricket field. Is it a field? Mm-hmm. I think a pitch. I don't know. Ground. Yeah, we call thing. it a ground usually. Cricket ground. Yeah. Is, is cricket big there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it? I did not know that. I didn't know yep, that. That's our, anyway. Yeah. So footy, footy is our winter sport and then cricket is our summer sport. We're not as good nice. as we used to be, unfortunately. Yeah. So we have a large in town. We have a large Indian population. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, they are always playing cricket out there. Always. So today yep. they had like a tournament. They had like trophies and stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're good or not. I can't tell. 
It's, it's hard <laughs> to tell because I don't know. Because no. you don't know the sport. I've yeah. looked up the rules. I've looked up the rules. I've watched some of it. It's very interesting. It seems mm-hmm. super cool, but I don't know anything about it, really. I've never played the game, but it would be fun yeah. to try sometime. So anyway, yeah, it's kind of been uh, kind of been interesting learning about it a little bit and uh, the wickets and the how they pitch and how they get runs and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're called mm-hmm. runs, but how you get points anyway. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, I know enough about it to watch a little bit and tell my kids what's going on, but mm-hmm. that's that's about it. So. There's, there's so many different variations so- on cricket as well. Like it used to be the test match, which was a, a five-day, two two innings. So each team would bat twice, each team would field twice, and that would go over five days. And then you'd have like the one-day games, which is 50 overs per per team, and that's all, you know, done and dusted one. And then that's most it? Re- 50 yep. overs and that's it? So like you get, yep. okay. Well, it's it's ten wickets or fifty overs, whichever comes first. And then, rec- more recently, we've had sort of in the last ten years or so, I suppose we've had the the T twenty, which is twenty overs per team, and that that's kind of a three hour. You know, you would do it on a weeknight kind of thing, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's like a little bit more like consumable by the yeah, regular and I think that audience, I think that was right? the intention is that like people don't want to sit. Not not everyone can't. You know, even in summer, you can't just go and take a day off work and i mean heaps of people did it totally. was it was always you know when when the australians were playing well on the international circuit it was you know there was always sellouts on five days of a test game that you know if it went for five days international one days they'd all go you know sell out but i think you know nowadays you know this generation kind of thing people it's hard to make the time to do it yeah it's hard to make the time people don't want to sit there for a full day to watch cricket um which is kind of sad but at the same time you know everyone wants everything now 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 and they don't want to wait for things so that's just just the way it is i don't i don't t20 it's funny when you see players that are really good at t20 come and play in a in a five-day test you know the kind of game that you're supposed to drag out and there's a lot of strategy to it and things like that it's supposed to Uh, go for five days and they come out, but they're playing it like it's T20. So they'll come out and just, you know, try and slug every ball. So a lot of five-day tests don't don't actually go for five days now because, you know, people are going out there and, and taking a, a wild swing very early on. And, and, and you know, you're giving up wickets a lot earlier than and what you would have, you know, 15, 20 years then ago. If, so. Then if you were playing a little bit more defensively. Yeah. Correct, yeah. And it's usually about that, you know, try and make it last as long as you can, try and keep the other team from batting, try and score as many runs as you can over as long a period of time so that you've got a better opportunity to to bowl them out kind of thing. So the, the strategy That's is funny. kind of lost, I think, now. Like, in, let's make it, test. yeah, let's literally drag it out as long as we can. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I would enjoy a game like that, but. Yeah. I mean, hey, you wouldn't you know, necessarily go to all five days. You would sort of drop in, drop out. If you were watching on TV, you'd watch a bit here and there. If sure, you were at sure, the sure. game, you'd go to maybe days one and three or whatever. But yeah. I have a hard enough time watching a baseball game, much mm-hmm. less a yeah. five-day cricket match. I mean, it's so. part of the Australian culture, right? You go to the cricket and you sit in the sun and you drink all day and get plastered and you know, you know, <laughs> you know, sun, sun and, and and alcohol mix really well together. So yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Mm. Um one other random bit uh, is that um, did you see um, Jack McDade caught that massive that giant fish? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, tarpon is a tarpon. Mm-hmm. I think it was something it like was that. Crazy yeah. huge. Yeah. Big... So I, the only reason I know it was a tarpon is because first of all, he said it was a tarpon, but I remember <laughs> it was a tarpon because um, 
down by where he lives in Florida, we used to go, or one time we went down to the Florida Keys and there's this place called Robbie's and it's right in the Keys there and you can stop and they'll sell you a bucket of little bait fish Mm -hmm. and you can go and you take the bait fish and you just grab one and you put your hand off the end of the dock and there's just tarpon swimming around at the end of this dock. I mean, they're like Mm -hmm. as big as the one that you saw, they're like six feet, you know, they're huge, huge fish and you can just hang your hand over the edge of the dock and they'll come come up and just just grab yeah. your hand it's you can like lift them up out of the water practically it's wild it is wild um but they don't have like teeth they have more like it feels like sandpaper it like mm-hmm. if like something clamped onto your hand and it was like sandpaper or whatever mm-hmm. and then it ripped off your hand it's sort of like that's what it feels like so you get like little scrapes and stuff but it's pretty cool i remember doing that one time so that was a good time but uh that was pretty cool so we actually had a little fishing father-son tournament today just some buddies um, and uh, went out to a lake and caught some bass and tomorrow we're having a fish fry. So nice. it's going to be a good time. Caught like over a hundred fish. Well, I would say, I think over a hundred fish, probably little ones to big ones. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. So kind of trying to, uh, you know, end out the summer right now. The kids are back yeah. in school and yeah. all that stuff. Just trying to get all the, all the fun stuff we can in uh, for the rest of the year here. Somebody caught a five one of the guys caught a five pound bass, which is huge. I've never seen a bass that big come out of a pond before. It was <laughs> massive. What's but going with those ones, you pond? don't want to keep them. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to keep them. And uh, like those ones, you got to throw back because they're too mm-hmm. big. They're too big to eat. It's like you can't yeah. kill something like that and eat it. Like the smaller guys go for it, but like the big guys like that, you got to leave them. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, I wasn't lucky enough to catch any of those. I caught all the baby ones for everybody you know i got the little the little kid size fillets that we'll have tomorrow mm-hmm. so should be good times nice but uh yeah man so i've got a, a new developer that started um mm-hmm. at work jimmy Eldape is his name really good dude california mm-hmm. guy he was in town uh last week not yeah not this week last week he was in town for his first mm-hmm. weekend so this was his first real week of, of work. So onboarding a new dev, it's been a while since I've done that. So mm. that was cool. Uh, it's been really, you know, getting a hold of things, getting a hang of things. And uh, one of the things he's been working on is switching over all of our tests from Travis, which mm-hmm. has been great, over to GitHub Actions. Yep. And it's been pretty enlightening um, how f- much faster they run mm. on GitHub mm-hmm. Actions than they ever ran on Travis. Uh, and I love too that like with Travis, I think the plan we had, we only had like one concurrent run. Uh, mm-hmm. We could only like run one test at a time. With GitHub Actions, I think you have like 50 or something like that. And so it's great because I can say kick off PHP 7.4 tests, kick off PHP 8 tests, and kick off my Dusk tests separately. Mm-hmm. Like all yeah. run at the same time. Yeah. Which makes a massive difference because right now we're getting ready to move all of our stuff to 8. And so it's really nice that... Um, that you can run those tests separately. And like before, I never really wanted to do that because it would take so long to run mm. those tests. Yeah. And then the other thing he did is he put badges on the readmes mm-hmm. uh, so that we can see when everything's ready to go to eight. Like we'll just, yeah. you know, when mm-hmm. everything's ready, it should be, it'll just turn green. And then we're like, sweet, we can push it to eight now. Yeah, it's so amazing how cool. much um, more willing you are to r- to number one, write more tests, but to also then run them more frequently, especially when you don't have to wait an eternity for them to run. Yes. And, and you know, especially when in Laravel 8 now with the ability to run parallel tests as well, that speeds things <sighs> up a lot, a lot as well. I forgot about that. I mm. forgot about that. So, ooh, hmm. Well, 
you know, honestly, like most of our tests run in like 12 seconds anyway. So <laughs> yeah, really, but I'm wondering if uh, what sort of uh, advantage I would get if I ran them in parallel like that. Probably, I mean, I could, it wouldn't be nothing. It would certainly be yeah. something. I mean, it's worth a try. Even if you go from like so 12, 12, 12 seconds to, to six seconds, it's still it's yeah. still going to be. You know, I mean, that's fifty percent less sure. execution cycles and runtime minutes and things like that. That's that you, true. That you're dealing with. That's very so. true. Yep. Make your money go further. But yeah, Dusk is slow because of the whole boot up of the Chromium web web driver or whatever. That you know is that it takes, what takes time forever? to do that. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. And it's got to do all the step through. It has to wait. You know, anytime it's waiting for something to appear on the right. on the page right. to to click on and things like that. There's all those pauses there. So yeah. I did try I I, I was talking to, to you guys uh, you know, during the week on Telegram around yeah. maybe setting up dusk in order to to run some sort of end-to-end tests around uh laravel spark which i gave up on in the end because there's not really any way to hook into as far as i could tell the specifics parts of the the spark interface that i needed to be able to click on Mm. um okay so I, i you know i got down the path of setting it up scaffolding out everything and 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 actually running them but there's no identifiers or or anything in order to be able to say like I want to select the the pro plan or the solo plan or whatever, and so you get into this place where you're then trying to come up with selectors that are like H two square bracket and then the, the like the content and I don't think that's actually a valid selector. So I never got it. Can to you work do like um, have you seen that like Chrome plugin Laravel Magic Tests? And basically, you just click record and then click, it, yeah. it starts watching you. Yeah, then, I, I have seen um, that. <clears throat> that looks um, pretty cool. Like then maybe that would work for yeah. doing those sorts of tests. And actually now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we'll do that for some of our other tests. That's the, that's the mm-hmm. thing is like dusk tests are always sort of like a, I have to remind the developer to do them if I want them. It's like, hey, I know you didn't include them, but could you please? Because yeah. that'd be great. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can do that. Right. And yeah. then I do them. Um, but it's not easy to do, which is the problem, right? And mm-hmm. I say that. I mean, it's so much easier now than it ever has been in the past, but yeah. it's still not crazy easy to do, right? Yeah. And so... Um, and they're much more so yeah, that Laravel in terms of like any change to your UI can break those tests. Sure. And and and, and that's where it kind of gets tricky because your tests, you shouldn't... Like you shouldn't change them when you change your app code. But if you're changing your UI, then... You know, it's much more likely that those te- those tests will break and and need to be changed. And yeah. you know, I know that Dusk has like the, you can have the Dusk attributes and things like that, so that you can target those in your testing and things like that. So that's certainly there. But if you don't control the UI, like we don't control Laravel Spark, so we can't really add that stuff. I suppose I could, you could submit a PR to Spark and say, hey, add add these things in there. But um, sorry, I've got to fly. I've grill. got one here too. He's just like chilling right now on my Scarlet. <laughs> my Scarlet little preamp here. He's just like, hey, I dare you to do something. Go ahead. <laughs> I dare you. Um, yeah, so I, I yeah, abandoned it, that in the end and then just just wound up doing the, the test based on... Manual tests? Well, not the manual test. Like I, I, I kind of just assumed that the Laravel stuff's going to work. The Spark stuff is going to sure. work. Yeah, but I yeah. did go and test the application functionality that relies on that specific behavior. So the one thing that I kind of wanted to test was making sure that if you are so this was for then ping me. This was making sure that if you are on the the middle tier plan, which gives you three projects, 
and you try and change to the solo plan, which only gives you one project, but you're using two of those three already that you can't change down plan because we don't know. Like we can't decide for you which plan you no longer have, uh, which project you will no longer be able to see or have access to or anything like that. It's up to you to go and change that. So I wanted to test that if you, you know, try to select that solo plan, which Spark will still let you do. It'll still let you choose the plan and then it does the validation after. Uh, Okay. So does it let you select the plan and then change it and then it sends you a request like, hey, by the way, they're changing it and then it validates or does it validate it before it changes it? It validates it before changing it. So there's the ability to set eligibility criteria with Spark. So you can, so those checks are there. So when you hit subscribe or change plan or whatever to go down, it will check that you don't breach that criteria and it'll throw an error. That, and you can con- configure what that message is that says, you know, you are using more projects and yeah. this plan allows, you know, go and, go and sort Two, it out. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of know that it works and the rest of the application will check, you know, it won't let you do anything in terms of creating a new project or whatever. Um, but, you know, if you have two projects and then you change down, it will still have two projects there. So, you know, you got to, you, you want to make sure that if someone is using something that they're, you know, that if we say you can have one pl- one project, um, that you're not kind of gaming that and and trying to change down, you know, get two and then change down a plan, and you still got access exactly. to those two. So you exactly, need to make sure yeah. that you can't make that change. Uh, so I think in the end, what I settled on, or what I settled on trying and haven't actually tried yet, was to test the eligibility criteria directly. So in your Spark service provider, you can do like Spark colon colon eligibility criteria or something and, and set up a closure that will run the validation for you. So I think what I'll do is I'll just run the test basically mimicking what's in Spark to, to, just to make sure that like if you you are on this plan and you try and change to that plan with that, you know, that configuration, it doesn't let you do it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and you like could it's just kind make of a little test on the, you could make like a little class that just tests it for you and then just test the class and then yeah, go in there. Correct. Yeah. Just testing that very specific behavior. Um, and you know, obviously then it becomes a little bit flaky because if they ever change anything in spark around how that works, then, you know, you've got to change the test, but at least you have the assurance there in the test that it is going to behave itself. So you could literally probably just, um, I mean, if you wrote it, if you wrote like a eligibility checker or something like that class, right. And then it was like upgrade or downgrade or whatever. And it had the name of the class Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe accepted some enum value or whatever. Yeah. You could then test that. And then all you'd have to do is like, if you literally just the class where they're doing that, if you just neutered the class and called the method or something and just Mm -hmm. checked to make sure that it should receive whatever, then you're done. That's it. Right. And so then, then, I mean, um, you know, again, like you said, if Spark changes, then okay, but that's going to be documented as well. Mm-hmm. When you upgrade to Spark, you know, a different version of Spark, yeah. it's going to be like, hey, by the way, the breaking change, we're not using these methods anymore. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you'd ha- you should you'd have a heads up at that point. Yeah, so. and because we all of this functionality existed for us before we were on Spark, it means that like we've already got tests around all of it. So it's just a matter of True. Yeah. encapsulating that. So we have on our team model we have a can add project can remove you know mm-hmm. can change the plan mm-hmm. can add team member kind of thing so we're not yep. really we, we already have tests for all of that behavior it's just a Correct. matter of encapsulating that behavior within spark now so instead of just calling those methods directly we just assume that spark is going to defer to them under the hood in that spark eligibility criteria check so it it does the job and you know i i suppose i'm like well 
I just want to assume that Spike is going to do the thing, but at the same time, I don't want anything to break in the process. So, absolutely, yep, makes sense. Um, so hey, speaking of PHP eight, yes. Uh, do you have? I, I'm betting you guys at work are probably already running PHP eight, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> we were just talking yesterday about how we oh, should just no. write everything in PHP four and how everything is blissful. And my boss was like. <laughs> Yeah, and on Monday we can take a photo of the three of us in blissful PHP four land. And I sent him a photo of like the camera lens up against my sleeve, and just like here is a photo of blissful PHP four land. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you should have sent a picture of that dog in the fire. This is fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. like, it, it's either it's either that it doesn't exist, or you have to like close your eyes and pinch your nose, like when you're eating peas, so that you can't taste it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I mean, the crazy thing is like PHP 7.4 is end of active support as of like October, end of October mm-hmm. or November. Yeah, like that. It's, I and think he's it's like, like oh. October. He, he goes, oh, we can we can upgrade to PHP 7 because he found a way to make MySQL query work in PHP 7. And I said, no, you can't go to PHP 7 because that's end of life now. So just, you know, and I've been going going in like a good boy scout and it's like add this feature. And then in the process of adding this feature, I have also gone and like, replaced all of the MySQL queries with our, you know, PDO stuff. And yeah. yeah. So so I've just been rewriting everything as I go along because I'm like, I'm not about... It's got to happen eventually. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm, I'm not about um, prolonging the inevitable. You know, they... they, I mean, they've been at this for 12 years. It's it's been long enough. Like, and I I keep saying to them, you can't keep piling on technical debt because you never... So it's time to start digging up kind of thing. So, So there's been a lot of... Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't have I don't have Laravel or anything like that, but I've been borrowing Laravel concepts. So I had to. Yes. We basically have That's one code base. We have one code base that is deployed to four different instances, so four different domains, let's say. And there's different user types, and those user types are in different tables. Now the content of okay. those ta- like the fields are all the same, but okay. there's like, so like all the schemas are the exact same. The scheme is the same, but we have like one for regular users, one for partner users, one for, you know, the different user types. And it was like, we need to add support for the a, a different user type. Just go and add another if statement in there. I'm like, hell no. I'm not adding <laughs> because it's adding another if statement, but like every time we need to check and change, like, is it this, uh-huh. user, you know, is it this instance of the thing? Do this thing. And so it's like across 50 different files. 30 Yikes, checks, yeah. you know, and I'm like, hell no. So yeah. I I put on my little solid hat and uh, I went out there and I, <laughs> I put on, um, so our authentication was basically at a guard. Uh, so we now have a, a guard that, you know, takes credentials and then based on the thing, it'll go and do a factory lookup, say like, go and find me the correct guard class for this environment. And then it goes and it scaffolds out all of that. So we'll set all the table names and table prefixes and anything else that we need to do. And so we just have like one abstract class now that is responsible for running all of the authentication queries. So it's like instead of, you know, 30 lines or 40 lines or whatever in the login script, login page, um, it's now like guard for environment. You throw it like the credentials and then do it's exactly the same as in Laravel. So it's like, do this, get the guard, guard uh, attempt. 
and then you pass it username password and then guard check and like if guard check is there then get the guard user so it's the same as doing like auth check or nice. all yep. that kind of stuff so it's like it's basic uh, i laravel's done it and it, it's been there exactly. for 10 years and it's battle tested like do it do and it it's in open a, source so you can go look at it and kind of just copy paste right yeah Not really and copy like paste, i didn't probably need, similar yeah i didn't need a whole heap of the extra stuff like i don't need different um, you know, I don't need a database guard or a database provider and an eloquent provider and a whatever sure. provider. I like I know it's always gonna be MySQL and as long as it's one place to, I don't need to swap, but I need like a single place to control all of that behavior. Yeah. yeah. So we've got basically um attempt, check, user. And that and that's it. That's all we need. Like attempt the login, check to see that the login was successful, and then give me the user back. And then we just like grab the user and and then we use it in exactly the same way as we've been using it before. So Apart from the actual login process, everything else in the application behaves exactly the same. So I've done that in a couple of places now. Um, for two-factor authentication was the other one where we had to add in support for a new mm. instance type. And it was just, yeah, do this, spin it out. And then anytime we need to access all of that stuff, like it's in one place. So it's just getting rid of all of these conditional blocks that you'd have to append to every time, you know, there's a new piece of functionality or there's a new environment that we need to work in. It's like, just give me the instance of the two-factor authenticator and then call the methods on that. And it, it handles all of that stuff for us. And um, that was a harrowing experience because there are no tests. <laughs> so yes, it was right. like, add this functionality in a backwards compatible way. Yeah, this, this is nothing. Container. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was add, add all of this functionality in a backwards compatible fashion, yes, making sure exactly. it continues to work in the previous three plus the fourth new environment without having the assurance of of the test and it's like just write it properly the first time and i'm like no it's not it's a 12 year old legacy code base like if you'd written it properly the first time we wouldn't be having this conversation so now do you guys have at least like composer do you have like package i can't even install composer on php 5.4 i don't i think there's some extension that we're missing so, because like that, so that's the problem then too. And this, I mean, I, I say problem. Um, what I mean is, like, you can't pull in packages. So, what you end up having to do, I was gonna say, like, is this a problem with any of the packages you're pulling in that they're not compatible with your version of PHP? But you're like, well, we can't pull in packages, so you basically just have to rewrite them yourself. Like, if you want to use a package, you basically have to go in and say, okay, how are they doing this? And then how can I do that same thing in PHP? Mm-hmm. What version are you in? Five, five, four, mm-hmm. five, two, five, four, yeah, five, four, yep. Yeah, and, and that's the yeah, other thing so. is like and and like making things work in PHP 5.4 because obviously everything now is at least, typically speaking, it's at least PHP 7. So there's a lot of stuff. Like even square bracket array syntax doesn't exist for, oh. No, no. No. Okay, so yeah, here's the other thing. My development server is PHP 5.4, but some of our application servers are still for legacy reasons running 5.3. So I have to use like full array, open paren, close paren. I can't yeah. use square brackets, which yep. was introduced in 5.4. So there's, there's little things like that. Um, if... If you call like DB fetch or PDO fetch and that returns a single row in PHP 7, you can do like DB fetch, close paren, square bracket, and then reference a field from that, you know, because you can reference the array directly on the function call. Sure. Right. Yeah. Which works in PHP 5.4, but it doesn't work in PHP 5.3. And oh, it was not until that, that was deployed to that one application server that happened to still be running 5.3 that we realized we're like, whoops. So now it's like. So now, no. what's the story with error reporting? Because you can't install a, a library that handles your error reporting. Do you have error reporting? No. Yeah, it's called a white screen. Yeah. If you get a white that's, screen, that's there's it. an error. 
hey, if you don't see it, it didn't happen, right? Errors, you don't see anything. Uh, that's right. PHP INI errors off something, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's it's always yep. kind of scary when I turn error, uh, you know, display errors on. Oh yeah, uh, right. Because you get because, a ton of them, right? It's like oh, yeah, notices and warnings and all of that kind of stuff. But but on the development server, like they just got it all turned off, which is not PSA. If you're in a development development server, you want it to be as strict as possible. You want as many errors as possible. You know, Laravel and anything modern, of course, will do this. But yeah, this. Every now and then, like something just doesn't work. I'm like, why is it not working? I gotta go and find like where's where's the commented out like any any set display errors on because like it's in every file, but you can turn it on and off. But it's like you know by default it's off. Um, yeah. And so you, you just... go and turn it on, and it's just like here's like a wall of of like notices which don't stop the execution. But then you've got like um, your actual fatal you know, terminating error at the bottom there. So it's like, ah, oh. so you see this wall of notices and it's like, it's trivial things like accessing, um, you know, accessing an array key on a null because they're like, you know, do yeah. the query yep. and then they immediately for each over it, but they don't check that it is actually an array. Yep. And so check a lot of sure that, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff has been fixed just by like either initializing um, the arrays. So it is always an array or, you know, putting an is set in there to make sure that like the array key exists and things like that. So you never... Because even in, you know, Laravel, you can still attempt to iterate over a null. Because sometimes, you know, if you do a DB lookup and it returns null, you will try and uh, iterate over that and it'll spit spit at you. So it's just like yeah, it happens. minor inconveniences like that. But, um, you know, at least in, in Laravel, those things kind of get caught very early on because you get the the stack trace and you get the, the, um, the ignition error and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. And then they have an elegant solution. So you can say like, yeah, uh, only show me the votes where has user relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, don't include ones that have deleted users. So no more votes with deleted users. So when you're trying to pull mm -hmm. the avatar off a null, it doesn't do that anymore. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. No problem. So it's all yeah. you have to do is add a where has users. That's it. Yeah, correct. I mean, it's like, you know, that handles all of the... Go grab all the users that don't have a deleted at timestamp and then do a where in query mm -hmm. on that. You know what I mean? Where in ID equals whatever. It's just nope, where has users? Oh, perfect, yeah. done. So, yeah, sometimes anyway. sometimes I have funny conversations. It's like, oh, why did you use a select exist? And I'm like, well, because we don't care about anything in there. Like, because they were doing, you know, select star from blah, 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 where blah equals blah. And they were using that just as a check. Like, does this thing exist? And I'm like, why are you selecting like 40 fields from the database when you are never <laughs> using them? Yeah, just um, check to see if it's there. Just to see like, is it there? Oh, but like account stars faster or a select field. I'm like, a select exist is, and then this was like a 30 minute back and forth over, you know, chat. Um, you know, select exist is quicker in most situations. There is like one scenario we're doing a, a select count star is faster. Um, ah, really? But I, Weird. Yeah. But um, I said, you know, generally speaking, and, and ex a, a select exists will basically find the first matching record for your condition and then it'll stop yep. and it'll return true. Yep. Um, so if nothing else is going to save memory. Correct. Yeah. Uh, whereas a, and like sometimes we're iterating over tables that have got millions of records in them. So an exist is, is going to be a smarter solution in, in most scenarios. So, um, you know, do a select exist, get the result back and you don't care you don't need the field. You don't want to know is the field there or is the field like not zero. You just want to know does a record yeah, exist, exist in the database for this condition. Yeah. And if it does, then do something. Otherwise, you know, throw it out. Um, 
but there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of like inverting validation. So where they do have validation is like if this thing and then inside that if there's like another if, if this next thing, if this yes, next thing. And right, so it's right, like, right. all right, Doing let's hoist all of this start. up. Yeah, let's let's hoist yep. all of this up, wrap it all in a try-catch and just throw an exception if any of them fail. Love um, that. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's a good way to like keep everything sort of, you know, to 120 columns, but like to keep it readable, to keep it um, yes. so you don't have to like go to the end of like where is the end of this if statement what's inside here what's on the other side of it like where is the error message and things like that it's just like if this thing does not equal this thing you know if, if the password doesn't match or if the, the the email address doesn't pass validation then throw an invalid argument exception um, and i was actually thinking about earlier today which which hurts me so much that i was thinking about or that it popped into my head not that i was thinking about it was that i could introduce a a custom like validation exception like laravel has i have those yeah yeah and just like wrap the entire sort of front controller thing in a try catch. And then if anywhere inside of there, you get a validation exception, you could catch and then just like return the JSON validation exactly the same way as Laravel's error handler would do. Yep, for sure. Because, um, you know, at least we have that sort of front controller behavior. So you don't have to do that same error handling like every single time. You know, if error, then like die JSON encode dollar error kind of yeah. thing. It's just like throw it. Hoist yeah. it up to the very top level, and it's like totally. always there. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you don't have you to worry about it. I mean, so, you should totally do that. So you have like that handler, basically that handler yeah. PHP, where you basically then say, if you have one of these X types of exceptions, then I know I'm going to process it this way, render it this mm -hmm. way. It's going to have mm -hmm. these particular properties mm -hmm. that I can pull off of it. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I do that and, in one of my applications. Like our auth, our auth stuff is a little bit custom mm -hmm. and so we do that wilbur auth exception and then i know oh this is exactly how that's going to get rendered and yeah. i don't care i can throw it three mm -hmm. levels down and it's going to get caught at the top and then i'm going to render it out to the front end this way you know yep yep Makes and it so it's, it's a matter of like you know here is the, the exception you could put like a two json method in there you know make it yep. JSONable, yep, exactly. and then mm -hmm. then you go like try whatever uh catch validation exception dollar e um you know die dollar e arrow to json and then like it's all just encapsulated there and that way your your like that that controller method basically is just responsible for the, like the happy path you do all the validation and then like you throw out whatever the exceptions are and the exceptions just get bubble up and get handled at the at the front controller so um it's it's just like little things like that that like there's nothing tragically wrong with this code base it's it's just one of those you know, legacy things that it's been written and it's been working for so long that that it why go in there and, and bring in any sort of new patterns and practices and things like that, which which is I I complain about it a lot, but I, at the same time it's always followed up with but it works. And so, you know, there's there's no there's no sense sitting down and, and rewriting everything just for the sake totally. of making it modern. Yeah. But there is certainly room for improvement in terms of like... Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it just streamlines the whole thing. Because like I said, instead of having a nest of conditionals that just go like, you know, into this big arrow, you've got like, if condition fails, throw validation exception. And then you just got the next thing. You don't have to like check the previous thing. Like, did that have an error? It's just like throw the error and then the next thing can throw an error. And then you go all the way down until you get what you actually want, which is to insert a record into the database or update the database or whatever. Um so just just little things like that that you know I have to it may seem that. like yeah yeah it, it, our, i mean it may seem does. like change for the sake of change but it's actually changed for the for the sake of simplicity 
and like mm-hmm. simplifying the thing. And then it's like, oh, but you've now got the the error handling like in another location, in another file somewhere else. It's like, ye- yes, but it is consistent all the way up. You know, you don't have to have like some error handling here in this way and some error handling here. And, and like they're most of the way there. Don't get me wrong. There's like methods that handle formatting errors and things like that. It's just a matter of like pulling them up a level and that way you never have to repeat yourself. And that's kind of exactly. like, I mean, just it's one of the things, isn't it? Don't repeat yourself, away. just throw yep. it, throw, that's it. Exactly. So it's, in a lot of cases, they're most of the way there. It's just, um, it's just a matter of like thinking from a different level. And this is like the benefit of coming into a code base, of having someone come into a code base rather than someone that has been building that code base for a long time is that you don't necessarily see the forest for the trees kind of thing. And so, you know, I come in there and I get shouted at sometimes for doing some things, but I'm like, well, this is objectively a better way of doing it. Like this is not my opinion versus your opinion. This is an established practice that is an objectively better way of doing things. If they didn't come up with this, then, you know, why would why would it be a thing that exists kind of thing? Exactly, um, exactly. So it's it's Speaking about kind of, of uh, it's about separating the objectivity from the the opinions around software development. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like we're getting there. Um, but I like I still run in circles. Um, I found a really good. I keep I keep complaining of uh, I keep on yeah I guess it's complaining. I keep on telling them that they're reinventing the wheel a lot of the time. And I found this brilliant TikTok. I think Andre Butov shared it um, with like the the quote text. Uh, npm install but i saw this thing and i immediately sent it to my boss and with just like the smirk emoji and uh he cursed at me (laughs) but i'm like (laughs) it's a funny thing about wheels that sometimes when you put your own together they don't quite look like a wheel at the end Mm -hmm. yeah i so when you were saying about those conditionals or whatever uh it reminded me of like i have one guy on my team who is really um i think the best way to say it is probably like he's he's cautious he's really like mm-hmm. he wants to um he would be the guy who does oh he just wants to check he wants to double check everything right so mm-hmm. it's like when you call the update query he wants to check hey did that return true you know what i mean like did that yeah. update query return true yeah. if it didn't return true then i need to try something else and it's like i need to capture an exception i need to let somebody know yeah that update didn't run then it's like the update the update is tricky because the update will return false if you didn't update anything that doesn't necessarily mean that it erred sure exactly and or Mm. or if it failed to update it will throw an exception like if it could not talk to the database for some reason to not update it will return it'll throw an exception right hey connect to the database yeah and so you know he he constantly wants to check those things so it's like Mm. i have to i don't know what the i don't know what like the term for it is if it's like it's like helicopter parenting right mm-hmm. where you're just like kind of like always yeah. there to like just manage this just right and just so and whatever and it's like you don't have to check everything that could possibly return a boolean and make sure that it actually returns it like yeah. you just have to you know if it's good if it's a good piece of code probably it's going to throw an exception rather than returning false mm-hmm. right now the exception to that exception the exception to that rule is like fly system so if you like say storage uh put and it doesn't write it, it just returns false. It doesn't throw an exception, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because now we have to write 
we have to wrap everything with a like throw and less mm-hmm. sort of deal. Did that did that behavior change in fly system v2? I thought it, I thought it was going to. Um but I, I don't was think sure that Laravel Frank, is using v2 yet. I think you can oh no, I think it came in, in, in Laravel 8. I'm sure. Or maybe maybe not. Hmm. I think it's supported in Laravel 8. My camera just stopped working. Oh no. Yep, I saw that. My camera has uh it is upset at the world. Let's see if I can restart it. <laughs> I'm using I got access to the um it's called detail. Okay. Uh it's like a it's like EpoCam where you can like hook up your uh, iPhone and use that, but uh, it has just it's just gone gone away now. Okay, yeah, it looks like Yeah, according to Dries Vince, Fly System V2 support will come in Laravel 9. Aha. Uh-huh. So it's not okay. implemented yet. Um, but once it is implemented, that'll be really great. I'm excited for that because then we'll be able yeah. to quit doing all that stupid stuff too. Yeah, because then we'll um, just start throwing exceptions and, and it'll be all good. So exactly. Got a little bit. The other cool thing to too is that like one of the other things we we're doing, and I talked to you about this the other day, is that uh, S3 allows you to send along with your um, file mm-hmm. when you go to do a upload to S3. You can send along an MD5. Let's see. It's a 64. What is it called? It's like a 64-bit character encoding. Is that what it is? Like, how do you do that? You know what I'm talking about? Base 64. Yeah. Thank you. Base 64 encoding. So if you take an MD5 of a file that you have, and then you Base 64 encode it, and then you attach or you add that as an option with a uh, content uh, MD5 Mm -hmm. option, um, with your request to upload it to S3. S3 will then take that and it will validate that you actually, that it has the same MD5 on its side as the one that you sent. So basically you say, before you send it up, you say content MD5, base 64 and code, send this up with it. And then mm-hmm. uh, S, you know Amazon gets it. It says, I'm going to place it there for you. And then let me check the hash, make sure, yep, oh, that is the same MD5 back. You're, you're good to go yep. return true. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it returns false. And so you couldn't previously do that in the fly system uh, AWS S3 adapter, mm-hmm. um, but you can now. Uh, so Frank merged in my pull request, but it's not yet tagged with a right. release. So you'd have to use like Dev Master. Dev Master, go, go, go. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, that's interesting too. So like if for some reason you're getting like corrupted uploads or something like that, and Michael, you had said that you would have, you'd have a you had had a problem with that with certain mm. file types, right? Yeah, MP4s, MP4s or something. Yeah. yeah, and I put yeah. that down to like the old version of like Dropzone or whatever it was that I was using. Sure, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. newer so anyway. stuff worked, and it like changed browser to browser depending on how they were setting MIME types and things like that. So it was it was just fixed by upgrading to something that's not Dropzone, basically, or a newer version of it at least. FilePond gotcha. seems to work fine. It's much file better. FilePond, oh yeah, that's what we use too. Mm-hmm. I love FilePond; it works great. Uh, okay, so one of the thing I had on my list, I actually had two, but the fly system I already talked about. So, SAML, you guys use SAML at all? You said two, you said two factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're just doing. Do you ever own. implement SAML Not, stuff? Nothing third party. It's just like we'll generate the QR code. We'll set a a value in the database. Like you guys key. do all that yourself. Yeah, I, we've we've got a library that. <laughs> There is a library that they copy paste from somewhere on the internet into a libs folder and probably SourceForge. Yeah, 
I did see something. Sword. I did see, yeah, I did. I I did see something in our code base that was like copy pasted from a blog post. So, <laughs> hey man, it happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So like the other thing I wanted to do is uh, implement. Uh, so I talked about PHP eight. So okay, PHP eight, real quick. This is the process for us for upgrading the PHP eight. So I have the tests for seven four, the tests for eight. I have to like composer update. Typically, I'll have to do like a composer update with PHP 8. I have to check that. I'll make sure everything's good. All my tests pass, whatever. But then to deploy it, I, have, I use Forge and Envoy, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to change in. I have to make sure that Forge has both PHP 7.4 and 8 installed. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go into Envoy and I have to say use PHP 8. And then I have to change the path to PHP when in, in, for the server. And then I have to yeah. change the path to composer for the server that it's going to use. So I have to say like instead of you know, instead of just composer, it has to say PHP eight and then whatever, 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 bin mm-hmm. composer, whatever. And then once uh, I push the code, it's going to deploy on Envoy, but then it's going to break because Forge isn't actually using eight for that for that site. It's only Envoy that's using it for that site, right? right? So like I have to deploy it with Envoy. And then once it's deployed, then I have to go back into Forge and then I have to say use PHP eight for this site. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a process. I don't really know if there's a better way to do that other than to say... Uh, I'm going to spin up a brand new server that's got PHP 8 by default. I'm going to run the site on both of those servers, and then I'm just going to switch the DNS. We've done that before, too. Mm. Um, but it's sort of a pain in the butt. Yeah, you know? so... It's not too bad. It's just not super great. Forge Forge has environment variables that you can use in your deploy scripts. So instead of like hard coding PHP version, you can do $forgePHP, Forge underscore PHP, and that'll get the correct binary. And Forge Composer, the same. Um, I don't know with Envoy if that is a thing that works as well. Like if they have, because they don't really know about the server. They just, you know, gets in there and, and does its business. So, yeah. But I, I think probably two different servers might might be easier, maybe. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to try it out. So I, I still need to try it probably tomorrow night to see if I can get it to work. I think I can. It's not a big mm. deal. I just, I just have to change them in off hours instead of during the business hours. So either that, or you could like, you could probably set environment variable variables in Envoy that point to the like two different paths and just swap them out per deployment process. I suppose there you go. Yeah, um, and kind of like do that. I wonder if that's something you could yell at James about and say, "Hey, is there some way to get?" Envoyer to listen to what I'm using for Forge or something. Well, yeah, Envoyer to at least understand what the environment variables are. Like if it, cause yeah. if it's got access, if it's just got access to your environment variables, then it shouldn't really matter. Like it, as long as the environment variables are available to the Forge uh, to the Envoyer user, which depending on how it's set up, it may do. Um, yeah. So right. on my one side that I've got set up in Envoyer connects as forge as the forge user so as long as those environment variables are set the problem depends is you on where can't they're set. change like if you go to like the deployment script like how it how it does right it's like download repo and then the next step is like composer install mm-hmm. right you can't customize that composer install step you can't like go in there like a regular like you can add a webhook after composer but you can't like mm. customize what happens there because it just does composer install and then yeah, you does, have options per project to say like with dev, with dev dependencies or without dev dependencies, whatever. So the only way you can really change what it's doing there is on the server itself 
that's hooked up with that project, if you click edit server, yeah. it'll have the options for like PHP path, composer path, whatever, and what PHP version you're using. So you have to change it in there. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, you'd have you to can then set, put in there like environment variables or something. Well, I mean, you could put a, you could add a, a deployment hook before the install ah. composer dependencies and set environment yes, variables there. Mm. Yes, you could. And you could do that. Although I don't know if you can do that per server. Mm. No, you do it per no. That'd be per like site. Yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't. It's not too big of a deal though, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's you'd, that's kind of what they're saying is like you need to be able to do it per server because each server could be having a different environment or a different. Yeah, yeah. So it depends on like yeah, which is why that's how they have it. that's how they have it set up right now, right? Is you can do it per yeah. server, but you just have yeah. to do it in the server config. All right. If you haven't got it's to not figure too big it out, deal. if you haven't got to figure it out, maybe hit me up and see if we can figure it out together. And if not. We could cool. probably just ask James if it's possible to to do that because I I'd say it's not an uncommon thing. Yeah. Um. To you know, obviously to be upgrading, especially now to be upgrading from PHP seven four to PHP eight, you'd probably want some way of deploying the same to both versions or you know whether it's different different sites on the same server. Although different sites on the same server is probably a bit trickier because you can't. I don't think you right. can have yeah like you can't have two sites with the same domain. But the exactly. same the same site on different servers is probably the easiest way of doing it, and then deploying. Yeah, that's how we've always done it in the past. But since they've now allowed you to have multiple versions of PHP running on a Forge server, and then selecting <laughs> mm-hmm. which version a particular site is running, I figured we'd try it this time because what we've always done before is done exactly what we just said, which is like provision a brand new server, PHP eight, and then spin yeah. it up and then move stuff over, right? But yep. eh. yeah, we'll see how we go. Should be fine. Anyway, well, hey, I think it's probably time you for you to run. Yeah, You've let me got, know how you, you go and, kids home. and be interested to to see how how we go if if we can figure that out or if come up yeah. with some way of doing it. But um, yeah, I okay. think we should wrap this this puppy up. Let's do it. Hey, everybody, thanks for hanging out. This was episode one hundred two. To find show notes of this episode, you can go to podcast. news. Just kidding, not that. Mike was like, wait a second, really? North meets south slash or north meets south dot audio slash one hundred two. Feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. That would be awesome. Four stars. Heck, we'll take four stars. Really, we'll honestly. Four. Any number of stars greater than three. Any number of stars. There you go. Greater than three. Leave us a comment or hit us up on Twitter. at Michael Derrida at Jacob Bennett. That would be awesome. Or at North South Audio. Yeah. yeah. All right, folks. Hey. hey don't, don't forget to check out our friends time. at WorkVivo as well. I uh, Indeed. They're, they're still, been, yeah, they're still, still hanging on here. There. I think they've been, been hanging out with us for a while sort of sponsoring the show and we haven't done them justice to be honest we we always mention no. them in our in our show notes but we don't always mention them on air so joe lennon has been a, a staunch supporter of the podcast for a couple of years now uh yeah, we'll make sure vivo. we talk about them next time so Absolutely. yeah definitely check out workvivo.com i know that you at wilbur have looked into them before so indeed we have yes all right i gotta go these kids are getting out of control all right everybody we'll see you in two weeks bye all. bye